Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hey. Uh, Andrea is not with us today in the studio, but we have a special guest on the phone. We will be joined by Kelly Wallace, the digital correspondent for CNN. She has tackled a really difficult subject, which yeah. is the Me Too movement. And we are really excited to have her on. She wrote a great article about Me Too and teens and how it's affecting teens and how teens, their perspective on it. And we're going to dive into that and talk about it, which is something we've been wanting to talk about, but um, didn't have a real kid angle <laughs> a good way to talk mm-hmm. about it with parenting so this is perfect we've had kelly on before she's always a great guest so stay with us we'll be right back with kelly wallace talking tech apps entertainment and issues around parenting the digital generation this is parenting bites with rebecca levy so we are here now with kelly wallace digital correspondent for cnn.com on the phone with us hi kelly hi great to be with you we're so happy to have you back on the show great to be back um, it's always fun having you on because not only are you a fabulous reporter, but you're like a neighborhood mom. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. I wear two hats. You do. Don't I'm sure we you wear all. more than two. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Um, you you write such great articles, which is why we've had you on in the past, that really dig into sort of digital life and kids and parenting. And this was no exception. And it's something that we have been debating whether how we talked about it on the show. And then you wrote this great article that sort of opened the door which is called, Will Me Too Be a Turning Point for Younger Girls Too? And I love that you took this perspective because I think for those of us, not just with moms of daughters, but Mm -hmm. daughters and sons have been thinking, what are they taking in from this, right? They can't avoid it. And how are they interpreting it? And are they talking about it amongst themselves? Um, And you really dug into all of that in this article and spoke to a bunch of girls, yeah. um, which I thought they were also articulate and interesting. So I'd love for you to talk about sort of why you felt this article was important and how you came about writing it. And then, I don't know, what you found and what surprised you. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to think exactly what the start. I did another piece, you know, a while back, I mean, after Harvey Weinstein, and then these stories kept happening. And I remember the day the Matt Lauer news uh, was announced, and I was in my kitchen, and my sister texted me, and and there I am in the kitchen talking to my daughter, you know, who's now 11 and a half, and she knew Matt Lauer in the sense of a person on TV, right? Harvey Weinstein didn't really register, but Matt Lauer is someone she knew uh, as a TV personality. So, I, you know, I sort of did this story on talking to kids about what's going on, sexual harassment, et cetera. And then I, I'm trying to think of even what was the moment. I, I, I don't, I can't remember. I think I was just seeing some comments on social media, I think on uh, in terms of younger people talking about uh, Me Too. And then I just wondered, you know, we're talking about this being a transformational moment for women in the workforce now, but I was wondering what is this gonna mean for, you know, our young women in middle school and high school and college, um, and I didn't know what I would find, and I was really, uh, really surprised and, and intrigued by, by what I heard from a lot of women I talked to. So when you, I know I saw you reach out on Facebook for, you mm-hmm. know, girls to talk to. Did, what was the response like? Were girls, you know, young girls, high school girls reluctant to talk to you, or were they, you know, excited? 
Yeah, you know, you can always tell, and I think you guys can tell too, when you uh, post on Facebook, especially when you're looking for comment for a story, and when you get a lot of responses quickly, you know um, there's an energy there, and that's kind of what happened. I mean, I got more responses than I could even really talk, you know, more people were interested in talking than I could actually uh, interview or, or uh, communicate with. Um, so people were really willing, and I thought they might, there might be a shyness about it, right? I thought people might be, and uh, you know, whether they'd be privacy or, or um, I don't know, that, or they may not have really thought about it, but no, there was a real openness, and I think what um, the two things, number one, that young women are really talking about this in, in big ways, and the second thing is it's, um, uh, you know, they're talking about how this might impact them. And I, I, I open the piece uh, with my conversation with my niece, not to give her the star power here, but I cracked <laughs> up because I had, inner, I had questions prepared, and I asked her those questions. And she said, you know, I jotted down some notes on Kelly before you called. And so I said, oh, you know, tell me what you wrote. And she wrote about this um, issue about the confidence, you know, how young mm -hmm. women lose, tend to seem to lose confidence in the latter part of middle school and in high school. And she wondered if, quote, the movement would change that. And I cracked up. I'm like, oh, my God, Isabel, that's the theme that I was trying to hmm. carry out in this piece and, and, and ask. And so I just found that so interesting. I mean, she had written that before not prompting for my questions, right? That was something that she notices in her school and her experience and wondering if this moment might encourage women to speak up more. And um, that, that, to me, that if that happens, that will be game-changing for our young women because we know it happens. We, we, we can talk about the whys from, for, for forever, but what we have to do is, um, you know, A, figure out why, but also really encourage uh, the self-esteem and the support and the empowerment of our young women so that they're not, you know, not raising their hands and they're not uh, being afraid to speak up and they're not uh, doing it in high school and then maybe later in the boardroom or in a, in a conference room or a lecture hall in college. That was the most interesting part of the article for me because my daughter is in eighth grade, so we're not looking at the issue so much in terms of sex yet, but more just about confidence. Yeah. And I love the part in the article where you talk about um, getting getting girls confident with debating and with stating their opinions because that's something that's really, really hard for my daughter. Like, they, they have a class in school, I forget what they call it, they don't call it debate, where they discuss different issues and... If she sees that all of her friends are on the opposite side of the issue, yeah. she doesn't voice her opinion. And it drives me crazy. She doesn't want her friends mad at her. Yeah. So even just amongst girls, it's so important to get them to, to state their opinions and be confident about it. And I think that that helps the big picture. Uh, oh, absolutely, right? I mean, don't you wish you had the confidence that you have now when you were 13? <laughs> uh, so much. I would go back and do school over I again. I wish I had I the confidence that. I had now when I was 25. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, 100%. Forget about 13. And, you know, to me, so one of the things I liked about this article is I, I feel like girls, this Me Too movement has focused them to really think about this in a different way. And, you know, I always say to my daughters, you know, this to me, change isn't HR company HR departments are going to be more responsive it's that in the moment when someone grabs your ass at work you turn right. around and go get your hands off me <laughs> right? right that's that to me is the pivotal moment is being able to say that in the you know have that confidence to be like nah -uh. um because we all know that HR departments are set up to protect companies and yeah. not employees mm -hmm. 
And I think sometimes schools are set up the same way. And they're set up to sort of like mediate or make everyone happy. And I know I have a friend who recounted her sexual harassment story in high school that was very public um, that happened in the 90s or like late 80s. And, you know, when she posts it now, you look at it and you're like, oh, my God. And her principal actually apologized to her recently. She ran into him and said, I handled that completely wrong. And I think about it all the time. Yeah. Because I told her she was overreacting and too sensitive, and then it became like a joke in the school. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much there. You know, also, Amy, that point you raised, too, it's that your daughter doesn't want her friends um, mm-hmm. to not like her, to uh, feel like the outsider if she's not doing what everybody else does. And it's connected to Rebecca, you know, in the sense of being, you know, comfortable to speak up if someone grabs your ass or to, to know that, you know, your job is not to be polite and mm-hmm. nice all the time. I mean, I was really reminded of this last week. I know you guys were, too, watching the unbelievable uh, sentencing hearing um, mm. in the Larry Nasser case. Mm-hmm. And you had young woman after young woman, and it was just this incredible you know, moment watching them all talk about their pain and their shame. And you couldn't help but think you had the prosecutor at the end saying, lessons here we teach our girls to be nice and polite Mm -hmm. and good and so when they're faced with something that seems wrong and inappropriate but if in the society whether it's the doctor or the teacher or the you know you name it Mm -hmm. um there's this you know uh unwillingness or 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 a fear or it's just it just doesn't happen i do i totally think me too has changed that but i really do think that this time for our girls in terms of speaking up, saying no, disagreeing, that's good and okay. And it's hard because they're looking for approval and they're looking for that popularity. I just think we we as parents and, and others have to sort of look at how we can help them get comfortable with the discomfort, right? And that's okay. Um, but it's very hard. Yeah, very and, hard. and it's amazing how many stories I've read of things that have happened to women where they said, you know what, if I had just not gotten in the car, if I had just not let him come upstairs with me, but I didn't want to be mean. Right. I didn't want to be seen as a bitch. I didn't, you know, if, if we can just teach them that that doesn't matter, you right. know, because what could come next is something that's much harder to then pivot and change if you can stop that initial thing where you feel uncomfortable it's all going to be a lot easier it's interesting because part of the conversation i've been having with my daughters is their generation i think is very very finely attuned to victim blaming Mm -hmm. and sort of that fine line between a little bit of personal responsibility and not victim blaming like Mm -hmm. that you can have both those things oh i've struggled with that a lot in the past few weeks yeah that you can have both those things can exist you can have a conversation about just like i tell them not to walk around with their phone in their hand Mm -hmm. flaunting it which is a 700 hundred dollar piece of equipment right um just to be careful like if you are out with your friends you're watching out for each other yeah if you know things that you know if you're gonna if you see a subway and one car is empty you don't get in it right, <laughs> you know right, you go in right. the other car just sort of those common sense street smart things it doesn't mean then if something still happens or to, you know that you're to blame you're not but that mix of and I guess part of that is feeling empowered like I'm gonna make a smart choice I'm a little bit street savvy yeah you know that person seems like they're following me I don't have to be 
the nice girl and yeah. me, I'm no, you know, I might hurt their feelings if I cross the street. Yeah, go ahead. Hurt, hurt their, their feelings. feelings hurt right. Their feelings. Exactly. Right. And don't, but then if you, you know, if still something still happens, it's not your fault. And I think it's very hard um, maybe when they're young, but also a little bit of this generation that they're very quick to label everything as victim blaming. And you have to sort of have this interesting conversation with them about confidence and empowerment and that victim blaming something like later right. that you can think about. But that's not, you know, it shouldn't change how you're acting in the moment. Right. It shouldn't change. You shouldn't feel so empowered with the false confidence. Mm-hmm. Right. That like too bad if somebody did something to me like that's on that, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. that, you know it's hard. I don't really think of it. There's a real nuance there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, sort of that walking that fine line because, you you know, you want them to feel that empowerment and, and confidence and that outrage about victim blaming. I didn't no one deserves this to happen to them exactly but at the same time right we want to encourage them to um you know have those common sense and smart skills and really like you you both were just saying and not be afraid to uh speak up i mean katie hurley is one of the uh experts i interviewed in the piece she has this new book that came out i think it just came out today um no more mean girls and the whole point Mm -hmm. of this is like getting away from this mean girl narrative, um, girls attacking girls, that competition. Um, but one of the things she talks about, you mentioned the you know, debate, family debate nights, ways to uh, help our girls. She does these youth empowerment groups with girls, and she talks to them and says, okay, we're going to practice saying no. And, and, ta- and I mentioned this in the piece, and the girls look at her like she's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Katie, we can't, no is rude. I right. mean, no is mean. No is not nice. And it's and then she I think she says what does she offer the kids, you know okay just scream no at the top of your lungs, and only about half of the kids can do it because they've just been socialized not to do that. And I think that is extraordinary, um, and it goes to the way we're socializing girls in a different way from boys at a young age. Well, I was always the one who would be way too polite to strangers when they started talking to me because I don't want to be rude. On the right. other hand, I'm an introvert, and small talk kills me. Um, and the one change that I've seen in myself since all of this started is that when random people start talking to me, I'm a lot more blunt about just not wanting to talk. I had an incident actually just a couple of weeks ago. I was in a, in a hotel and I was leaving and I was going to the elevator with all of my bags and I get on the elevator and a guy's like, ah, oh, going to the airport. And I said, why are you driving me? <laughs> he said, no, I just want to know if you're leaving. And I said, that's none of your business. And then I turned around and just kind of didn't look at him right. for the rest of the ride. Like, you know, six months ago, I probably would have been like, yeah, I'm going home today. And now yeah. I'm just like, none of your business. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see. Um, and Amy, I guess you can answer that because you're the only one among us who has a son. Right. How this conversation is happening with boys, because. You know, I've definitely had conversation with the men in my life. Like, can I tell a coworker her haircut looks nice if I notice <laughs> right. she got a new haircut? Right. You know, can I? And I'm like, you know, first of all, I guess you should think about, like, why do you have to comment? Would you comment on your male right. coworker's exactly. haircut? Yeah, like, would right. you, like, she's not looking for you to compliment her. So, on the other hand, none the other of these hand, people that we're talking about have gotten in trouble for telling a coworker that their haircut looked well, nice. Well, that's what I said. Right. Like, conflating those things is also insane yeah (laughs) yeah they're using the slippery slope argument when like we're still working on people who are legitimately like attacking people yeah (laughs) Yeah. we're not talking about haircuts and you know do you want to get a drink after dinners or after work so but i am wondering kelly like in your conversation with these girls and maybe some of the conversations you had that didn't make it into the article particularly the older girls did they talk at all about how this makes them think about sex and like 
what that might look like or how that changes their or their peers' perception of it because, you know, I think the Aziz Ansari thing, what yeah. that really brought up was this whole, the girls, they're so drilled like about consent now, both boys and girls and consent and term consent. But it, again, so nuanced. So, you know, this idea of teaching girls not just to say no, but how to say yes, right. or like know when they want to say yes, exactly. or know what they want, um, seems to be a huge thing missing from, certainly from sex education. Yeah, um, you know, it's great. It's, it, as you're talking, I'm thinking this is a, a great story idea um, to for a future piece, because we didn't get into that angle. Um, I think the Aziz Ansari story happened like the weekend right after the story mm-hmm. went up, but, but that neither, you know, so that, that issue wasn't uh, something to talk about, but um, but we didn't get into that. But I do think, and it's obviously been a conversation that you've seen a lot of people having in social media about um, those conversations, right? And both from a female perspective, but also I've seen a lot of conversations in terms of, you know, teaching our young boys. Uh, you know, I, I, I love this. I've seen it, you know, there are colleges that have all kinds of programs now about consent. It's not, it's not consent or not yes it's enthusiastic consent right Right. there's just no wiggle room whatsoever uh that this is something uh the other party is absolutely into um but i i think there has to be these there have to be these kinds of conversations because you remember you talked about the nuance before it really is interesting i mean our our young people are are pretty sexualized, right? You know, Mm -hmm. they're exposed to a lot at a younger age. Um, They may very well be having, you know, sexual activity going on in high school. Uh, God, some people may even latter part of middle school. I hope not. But, you know, it's going (laughs) on. And there's a power to that, right? There's an empowering part of that about their choice, their bodies. Um, And yet there's this, you know, Me Too movement going on. And so it's just interesting how they are going to sort of couple that power they feel with these kinds of conversations um, and make their way forward. I, I think it's fascinating. I don't know the answer, but I think it'd be interesting to talk to young women about the about this very topic. Well, yeah. I think it all goes back to confidence, right? Because yeah. if you have a lot of self-confidence and you're very sure of yourself, you're not going to be seeking something from a boy who, you know, so maybe you send that picture because you're looking for something that you don't have right. within yourself. Right. I mean, I I think it's a really interesting um, time for these girls because I do think high school and even middle school, even though middle school is the worst, Mm -hmm. um, I think high school, a lot of high schools already have sort of a girls empowerment group or a feminism club or something. And I know for one of my daughters, she went a couple times to her school's club and she left because all they talked about was the dress code which by the way her school doesn't have (laughs) so she was like this is the stupidest conversation like they will literally let you wear anything some girl showed up with like a see-through top where it was just her bra and she's like i'm sorry that's not that's that is ridiculous like she was like but every week they talk about the dress code there has to be more to empowering girls and it was before this happened and i said to her do you think the female empowerment group might have a little bit of a different conversation now and she was like Ugh, I don't know I'm not going back like she couldn't <laughs> deal with it but it was so unfortunate to me because I said to her like you have this girls only group like you should bring in a really cool like sex positive you know speaker or something yeah. that you know and she would they were like what <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. like what that seems horrifying <laughs> yeah. um but it was it was interesting to see what the girls thought of as empowerment was you know, just this this dress code issue. 
But that's really interesting that yeah. they thought that the idea of bringing in a sex positive, positive speaker was horrifying because it goes back to the enthusiastic yes thing yes. and knowing when you want to say yes and knowing that it's okay yeah. when you want right. to say yes. Or knowing yes. what you want to say yes to. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> like right. Yeah. It yeah, was I think it may be speaking to, um, which would also be, um, I would like, you know, uh, happy to hear, you know, it may be, you know, that this group of women that, they're, they're just not active in that way, which is right. great. I mean, I think it can wait even longer than high school, of course. Um, so the dress code is something that really resonates to them. It affects their being, right? Can they wear this top or this mm-hmm. shirt? Or, and that, you know, that you know, energy of being able to be independent and, and control their own lives is important. So I think that may be part of it, that, that, that the, you know, having a sex-positive speaker just might not be kind of, in their world now because it's not really the, you know, those aren't the lives and the issues they're dealing with, which is great, but it also means, you know, to continue to have that conversation so they're comfortable with it so that when that is in their life, right, when those, they are much more sexually active, that they have this confidence from, from talking about it or hearing about it. Um, is so important. Right, because we always say the time to have those conversations is before before they start (laughs) having sex. Right. I mean, I think also what's interesting is I think the dress code issue has gotten so much media attention. And every Mm -hmm. year, some parent is posting a picture of their daughter in totally fine shorts and saying school something. And I I do wonder if now that there's a focus on Me Too, how that will hopefully positively influence how the girls are shaping their own conversations. Yeah. Um, Because the media have a lot to do, you know, a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I I had written that story before about the the, um, dress code, because it does come across um, where it is connected to what we're talking about, is if you're body shaming young women, Mm -hmm. right, and then you're judging them based on their appearance and the same thing's not happening with men, just like your colleague who said, can I ask comment on a woman's haircut and you said sure but would you comment on a man's haircut so when we're you know different ways we're approaching young women and young men some of that messaging starts to take hold and I think that's where the damage can be done mm-hmm. yeah I think so too is there any big takeaway you had from interviewing these girls the future's in great hands <laughs> <laughs> I always say that too <laughs> I mean really you know this from yeah. your, your your daughters and and Amy from your daughter and your son and their friends I mean they're so thoughtful um, they are paying attention and they, they are paying attention I think in a big way and they're talking about it and um, no I don't want to say that now you know problems are free like my net niece Isabel she said the guys who are still jerks are still jerks right? <laughs> I mean yeah. they they haven't changed um, and we're going to have issues, but I just feel that there's a, a thoughtfulness and energy. And I think when they see Oprah Winfrey get up there and speak at the Golden Globes and say, you know, we're doing this so, you know, no other young woman has to face this, that, that's empowering to them. And, um, and that's great. I mean, that, so I feel very um, hopeful uh, talking to these young women about uh, where they're going. Well, the uh, piece was great. We look forward to your for- all your follow-ups now. We've given you like five oh, new yeah, article ideas. So. <laughs> you guys are always giving me store ideas, so no. I'll let you know when I do the sex one. Yes. This clearly will be 
spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we look forward to I look forward uh, to a boy point of view article. Well, mm-hmm. you know, no, that's totally important because, you know, some people on social media, and I thought it was right, they said, are you going to do one um, if you want to talk to boys, too? I said, you're ab- absolutely. I said, for this piece, there's a focus here. And I mentioned the angle about um, how we have to encourage our boys to respect women and not interrupt them and all that. But I think um, some of my colleagues have done some stories right after me, too, but I think it's worth doing more on uh, this conversation. So, yeah, another story you've given me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Kelly. We'll have links to everything we talked about on the show page and links to your page and the article and everything. And we'll talk to you again soon, I am sure. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelly. Take care. Bye-bye. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? I have a tasty one. Um, So we're recording this a couple days before it actually gets posted. So on the day that we're recording it, it's actually National Croissant Day. Yeah. And (laughs) I did not know this this weekend when, for the very first time, I baked croissants. Wait, that was your first time That was my first time. Yeah, I do a lot of stuff with puff pastry, which is very similar, but I've never actually made croissants. But a lot more butter. No, isn't it? It's no. the same layers it's of butter the, with the croissant yeah, as it is. The a, difference a puff pastry? is the dough. I'm never eating puff um, pastry. You again. know what? Let me let me take that back because I haven't okay. actually like strictly compared the amount of butter and the amount of dough, but it just it's looking at it, it very similar, thing, right? Um, it, yeah, it's the same same lamination process, but the the dough with a croissant is a leavened dough. It's got okay. yeast in it, and with puff pastry, it's not. So that's the main difference. Um, but for some reason, I just thought that it was a very different process, and I'd always been very scared of croissants, so I'd never tried it. But finally tried it over the weekend. They turned out amazing. Like, I could have sold these croissants. <laughs> you could sell everything you And, <laughs> and uh, I could be like those people who started selling cookies out of their window. Like, they would lower them on a basket. My and then, cousin's aunt. Oh, my God. But then they, they these, started a cookie empire. Well, these people got in trouble. Like, oh. they, they got <laughs> so much attention on social media for dropping these cookies in a basket out of their window oh. that eventually the health the department, department showed up and was like, you have to <laughs> yeah, stop don't do this. That. Um, you could but, sell your, like, farmer's markets. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, when you're baking in such small quantities, I'd have to sell them for, like, $10 each. That's so. okay. You'd be like She-Wolf <laughs> Bakery, where their loaf of sourdough is, like, $35. Oh, my God. Okay, maybe I could sell them. But... Um, the reason that they turned out so well the first time, it was all in the recipe. It was all the website that posted it because these were the most specific anal retentive instructions I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's what you need with something like this because if you want to get it right, you really need somebody to show you step by step by step and there's a great video. That's and- why I've never made them because I watched Julia Child make them and each time roll it out and then add another layer yeah. of butter and, never, and I was like, oh, I should never eat one and I'm never making Yeah, one. it's one of those things where once you've made it and you see just how much butter goes into it you're like oh okay that's why it tastes like it does um and then watching my husband rip into one and putting more butter on it it was like oh my gosh you cannot put more butter on that it's already like oh butter stick of butter but it they're so good and it was totally worth it to make them fresh so it's it's a little bit i wouldn't say it's advanced baking i'd say it's about middle skill level um you know, if, if you've never worked with laminated dough before, it's a it's a big thing to start with. But these these directions are good. They're That's really cool. really good. So I'm going to post a link to the recipe because if you've if you've never made them, like if you live next door to a bakery and they'll like you know call you when the, we went when to they come out of the oven. Thing at Silver Moon once. Uh, yeah, like they get you, there at four a.m. and start. And and if you can get the first ones out of the oven, yeah. great. But like otherwise, this is the only way that you're going to have really fresh. 
croissants. And it was amazing. Totally. It's like a weekend project, but totally worth it. Yum. That's a good winter project. Yeah. So my bite is both local, but I think also national, which is the Reduced Shakespeare Company. They are coming to um, here to New York to the New Victory. And I saw them about 20 years ago in London and have not forgotten because it was one of the best things I've ever seen. So I already bought tickets from Darza, but they're touring across the whole country. So find the Reduced Shakespeare Company. See if they're coming to your town. They do all 39 plays (laughs) in one in what awesome. in one play in the 40th play um it is so funny it is so smart it is so great um it's just awesome i mean it helps if you know the plays you don't need to know all 39 mm-hmm. um but you obviously get more out of the puns and the hilarity and the mishmash of characters if you kind of know them but they really do run through all 39 that's great plays um so i would highly recommend if you're in new york city and you've never been to the New Victory, it's such a joy of a theater. It's teeny tiny, and tickets are like 40 bucks. So your yeah. whole family can go for not much more than going to see a stupid IMAX film at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to a Broadway show. And this is actually a real show. A lot of the New Vic stuff is maybe an hour, no intermission, or 90 minutes. This is actually a full like intermission, hour and a half, hour 40 minutes. Um, so I'm super excited. So check it out. You can, we'll have a link to the new victory site, but we'll have a link to their reduced Shakespeare company. Cause it's, I think 20 cities. So wow. chances are there might be something near you that they're coming to. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That is our show for today. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. I'm sorry. I didn't bring you croissants. I like know. once I was done on Sunday, I was <laughs> okay. like, okay, that's kept to leave My that husband alone would for kill a while. Me. At this point, he's like, is Amy baking? <laughs> <laughs> did, did he get any of the, yes, he the, did. the ones from we last saved week? Him one. He's right. like, I get one. He was so excited. I made little oh. mini, uh, I'm tempted to call them chocolate croissants, but here's your, here's the education for the day. Those things that they sell in the bakery that they call chocolate croissants, they're not chocolate croissants. They're pan au chocolat. Right. It's different. It's the different, it's the puff different pastry. Time. So, but we just, even in my house, even though I know the difference, we still just call them chocolate croissants. Right. (laughs) And they're not croissant shaped. They're not. No. No. It's a different thing. Um, All right. Well, that was, we'll have links to everything on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash parentingbites and at parentingbites.com. And of course on radio.com where you can find us and all the radio.com podcasts. Until next week, hopefully Andrea will be joining us and be back. Yes, we miss you, Andrea. I'm wearing purple in your honor. (laughs) Um, Until then, happy parenting. Bye.